Today, the fourth morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Thank you so much for joining us. So, the President of the United States has his opportunity tomorrow night. It will be a State of the Union address. It will be in the House chamber, as uh, invited by uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. It will be approximately one hour in length, not counting for uh, interruptions for applause. Uh, it is expected there will be a lot of that, although it will come from only one side of the aisle in the chamber. Uh, it's a golden opportunity for the president to lay out the case for a border wall, for border security, in opposition to the scourge of drugs that continues to plague this country, so much of which is coming over our border in record numbers from the non-ports of entry, the areas in between the ports of entry where illegal crossings happen, and from the actual ports of entry because we are understaffed. Our border patrol, our border aid, uh, border patrol agents, customs and border patrol agents are completely understaffed at the ports of entry because they have to be walking and patrolling along the areas in between the ports of entry to stop the unbelievably uh, uh, dangerous flow of drugs that continue to come across illegally. That's one of the problems that we have, and the American people don't know it. The American people haven't been told, they haven't not had it explained to them, that when we talk about 90% of the drugs coming into this country are coming through the ports of entry, it's because we don't have the ability to search and thoroughly vet everyone and everything that comes through. Because we have to spend so much manpower patrolling a border that could and should be patrolled by barriers, by walls, by border walls, fences, whatever you want to call them. And the president's opportunity is tomorrow night to lay all of that out at the State of the Union Address. The problem is that early reports are the President is considering the olive branch. Again, the President is going to be calling for bipartisanship. Again. And that is a problem. Why, you ask? Bob, are you looking for discord? Are you looking for gridlock? Are you looking for uh, more animosity between the parties? No. I just have come to believe that when someone continues to tell you who they are, eventually you better take them seriously. The left has told you time and time again that they are liars. The Democrat Party has told you time and time again that they cannot be trusted. Nancy Pelosi has told you time and time again that she is a snake. We'll negotiate that border barrier, but not until you reopen the government. 35 days later, the president signs the bills, government's reopened, Nancy Pelosi immediately, nope, no, no negotiating for a wall. We'll talk about border security, but only in manpower, only in drones or technology, but nope, no wall. Walls are immoral. Is the president going to stick to the olive branch with people like this? Is he going to call for bipartisanship with people who will do nothing but stab him in the back? If he hands Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer an olive branch tomorrow night at the State of the Union, I promise you they will pull out a pocket knife, sharpen that olive branch to a point, and plunge it into his back. Tomorrow the president needs to call the Democrats out for what they are. Liars, obstructionists, and criminal enablers. Because if they refuse to do what they all know is necessary, what they have said many times is necessary, a border barrier to stop the flow of illegal drugs, criminals, gang members, and more 
from coming into this country. They have all said it in the past that that's exactly what we need. Then they are enabling the drugs and the criminals and the human traffickers and so on and so forth to cross our border with impunity. And he needs to lay it out that way. Now, yesterday, as part of his Super Bowl Sunday sit-down with CBS and face the nation, the call initially was that he's going to extend that olive branch. However, in the interview, we don't know if it'll be this way during the speech, but in the interview, the president did describe Nancy Pelosi in the most appropriate of terms. The White House says tomorrow night's State of the Union address will be one that focuses on unity and bipartisanship. But the president on Friday did not sound like he wants to extend an olive branch to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. I don't think she has a clue. I really don't. I don't think Nancy has a clue. And I see that when she says walls are immoral. She doesn't have, uh, she doesn't know. And, and I wish she did because uh, she's hurting this country so badly. This will be the president's first State of the Union address with Democrats in charge of the House. The first time it'll deliver a State of the Union address with Nancy Pelosi lurking over his left shoulder. And it is good that in CBS's Face the Nation, he was able to describe Nancy Pelosi in the appropriate terms, but will he describe her in those terms tomorrow night when she is sitting there behind him? And he has to. Not for the purposes of, of fighting, but exposing the left for who and what they are, exposing Nancy Pelosi for who and what she is. It is it is his solemn duty to do that. Now, the president had a lot of other things to say about Nancy Pelosi and more on the uh, uh, State of the Union, uh, or excuse me, not State of the Union, uh, uh, CBS's Face the Nation yesterday on Super Bowl Sunday. He had a lot of other things to talk about uh, with respect to the border, with respect to ISIS, with respect to Syria, and more. I want to share some of that with you because some of it is very important. Here's President Trump yesterday on CBS. We've done an incredible job with Syria. When I took over Syria, it was infested with ISIS. It was all over the place. And now you have very little ISIS, and you have the caliphate almost knocked out. We will be announcing in the not-too-distant future 100% of the caliphate, which is the area, the land, the area. 100. We're at 99% right now. We'll be at 100. That is not what the uh, foreign policy experts, military experts, Pentagon experts say. It's also not what uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says. We're not close to that yet, yet the president remains convinced that the right thing to do is to pull all of our troops out of Syria and out of Afghanistan. Part two. We'll come back if we have to. We have very fast airplanes. We have very good cargo planes. We can come back very quickly. And I'm not leaving. We have a base in Iraq, and the base is a fantastic edifice. I mean, I was there recently, and I couldn't believe the money that was spent on these massive runways and these every I've, I've rarely seen anything like it. And it's there, and we'll be there. This is uh, the president allowing Jared Kushner to run the country for him, sadly and unfortunately. This is exactly what it is. Um, I mean, let's be frank. He, he, he has given so much uh, latitude to his daughter and to his son-in-law to establish policy in places where they have absolutely no business establishing policy. See, the president has done two things to me that are so very important and, and so very contradictory. He has appointed, in my view, it took him a couple of tries. He got it wrong the first time on Secretary of State. He got it wrong the first time on National Security Advisor. He got it wrong in a few different areas. 
But right now, I believe he has the most qualified team to advise him on foreign policy and on national security and on um, matters of, uh, of uh, anti-terrorist uh, activity, counter-terrorist activity, I should say, that he's ever had, that he could ever imagine. Having Mike Pompeo in the, state, uh, in the uh, Secretary of State's office and having uh, John Bolton as his national security advisor, those are probably the two best men in this country, I think, that could possibly be advising him right now. And instead of listening to them, he's listening to his son-in-law because his daughter has his ear more than anyone else does. More than his son Don Jr. does, more than his son Eric does, who will join me tomorrow, by the way, on this program to preview the State of the Union. We'll talk to Eric Trump tomorrow. But the president is listening to the wrong people here. He says, well, we can go back there quickly if we have to. Well, that's not the way this is done, sir. And, and you've been told this by many. It's not a matter of getting out and then when you see them reconstituting, getting back in. Why have people fight and die to cover the same ground that they had already won? Why have them come back and fight and retake ground that has already been taken, spending more money and more blood when it's already under control, and we just need to maintain that control? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yesterday, the president also talked about the Afghanistan part of this as well, and he said troops are coming out of Afghanistan. And I'll leave intelligence there, real intelligence, by the way. I'll leave intelligence there, and if I see nests forming, I'll do something about it. If I see nests forming, Mr. President, the nest is called the Taliban. They are always a nest, and they are always forming, and they are always growing. And the moment we leave them to their own devices, the moment they will indeed begin to fund, train, and spawn the next generation of Al-Qaeda or an Al-Qaeda offshoot terror group. We cannot have this pre-9-11 mindset, and I cannot get this out of my head. And I can't understand how the president does not see this and how he's letting himself be manipulated by his liberal son-in-law. We cannot, must not, have a pre-9-11 mindset. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it from afar. And if we need to, we'll go in there and do something. By the time you go in there, they're already going to have their next plan in action. I did not understand that part of the president's uh, speech, or excuse me, uh, interview on Face, Face the Nation. So hopefully he'll explain those things in a little more detail, and hopefully, maybe, the words and the wisdom of Ambassador Bolton, Security National Security Advisor Bolton, and Secretary of State Pompeo will find his, uh, their way into this speech as well. All right, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Much more to come on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Is directed. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 1025 now, the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer. Spent a lot of time on the Super Bowl this morning thus far. Spent a lot of time on the uh, president's speech on, uh, or not speech, but again, his interview on CBS's Face the Nation uh, yesterday as well. Interested in your thoughts on both. 216-901094. And of course, a lot of the other news as well. Uh, but uh, 216-901094. We'll get you here. 888-281-1110 will work just as well. And I certainly in, uh, invite that conversation. Um, I, do, I also want to spend just a moment here on combining the two. The president yesterday, this is just, just a personal thing because I am a, in, I'm an incredibly strong supporter of and a believer in high school football, youth football and high school football. 
I am telling you right now that it made me and many men that I know the men that we are today. It played an enormous role in who we are and what we've become. It's under attack right now by many on the left and by a whole lot of, uh, well, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Critics of what has come to be known as, quote, toxic masculinity. They don't like big, tough, testosterone-filled men smashing heads with one another because it, it plays into the patriarchy. It plays into the tox, toxic uh, masculinity. They want our, our young boys to be piano players. They want them to be soccer players. They want them to be uh, you know cheerleaders. They don't want them doing things like football. That's, that's quite frankly a part of it. And one of the things they've used is fear. And they've turned many uh, uh, the head of many a woman, a mom, uh, away from their kids, uh, letting their kids play football because of fears of concussion and head injuries and so on and so forth. The science on this is so extraordinarily new. It's in its infancy as to what is causing, uh, you know, brain trauma, what is causing concussions, what, what effect concussions in younger years have on, uh, uh, people in their eighties and so on and so forth. I mean, it's so new. It's not even funny. And yet some on the left are declaring it case closed. Football leads to concussions. Concussions lead to CTE. CTE leads people to want to kill themselves. Terrible uh, misery in their older years and so on and so forth. And it's just so much nonsense. It's trash. It's trash science because the science is not even close to being settled yet. Okay? But it's because of that that the president was asked about this yesterday on Super Bowl Sunday on CBS's Face the Nation. I told you I was going to combine the Super Bowl story with the president's one-on-one on CBS yesterday. And they asked him about his young son, Barron. How old is Barron now? 12? I think, I think Barron is 12. I think he was 10 when um, the president was elected, so he must be 12 now. So that's got to be about 6th grade, 7th grade. Uh, is he going to play football? And President Trump, sadly, leaned toward the liberals on uh, the issue of the safety of football. I just don't like the reports that I see coming out having to do with football. I mean, it's a dangerous sport. And I think it's... It's really tough. I thought the equipment would get better, and it has. The helmets have gotten far better, but it hasn't solved the problem. So, you know, I I hate to say it because I love to watch football. I think the NFL is a great product. But I really think that as far as my – well, I've heard NFL players saying they wouldn't let their sons play football. So – uh, it's not totally unique, but I, I would have a hard time with it. You have you have heard a very small handful of uh, players or former players saying that, by the way. And second of all, you know, for President Trump, who is the first one to cry fake news when there is fake news being peddled, to just accept this fake news as being real and settled is very disconcerting to me. It's very disconcerting. Because, foot, let me say this very clearly. And this is somebody who is the father of a high school football player. Obviously, I played it myself, and I played it in the college as well. Um, there has never, ever been a safer time to play football than right now. Football right now is literally the safest it has ever been. Because the technology, the rules, the techniques, and everything else that is being added up together, it has never been safer to play football than it has right now. 
and the science of CTE and an early onset dementia and all the other uh, scary things that the left wants you to believe football causes is absolutely in its infancy and it has zero, and I want to say that again, zero evidence that anyone is more likely to develop any of those things because of football than those who did not play football. And especially when you're talking about the fact that 99.9% of kids who play middle school and high school football are ever going to play in the NFL. 95% of them are never, never going to play college. Probably 4% of high school players will ever go on to play in college, let alone to play football at the professional level with the highest speed collisions and the stronger players and so on and so forth, which may or may not, which is still unsettled science, lead to those kinds of things. So the president yesterday answering the question about football, in my estimation, uh, the president bought into some fake news and the president helped spread some fake news yesterday. And I want football parents to disregard. I hope that doesn't come up in this state of the union tomorrow. Back after the news on AM 1420. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 1034, now the Bob France Authority does continue AM 1420. The answer, we're wide open until 11 o'clock, so if you want to dial, do it at 216-901-0945, I got a story in a moment about how the wall saved a little boy. Let me say that again. The wall, yes. And I'm talking about the border wall. I'm talking about a place where the border wall or parts of a border wall are indeed in use already. Saved a young immigrant boy. I'll tell you that story in a bit. Right now we'll go to the phones, though. 216 Let's say good morning to Dave, who's calling us from Parma Heights on AM 14. The answer. Dave, good morning. Bob, Bob, good morning. Uh, I told you, call screener. Uh, used to listen to you. You did everything. You're the jack of all trades when you worked at that other station. Up the dial. I won't say the name. And uh, glad to have you over here. Well, thank you for finding and me there, Dave. I certainly appreciate it. Appreciate that. It, it was about a year or two. I didn't hear from you. I thought maybe you moved to another city or something. No, no, no. You but know, hard to believe. Hard to believe. But I've been here for four years now, uh, going on five. Uh, so wow. yeah, it's it's really amazing to think, but that's how fast time flies by. I've been uh, and I've I can tell you this true truly, and I say this is not as a slam to anybody else, but I have never been happier than being right here where I am with Salem Media. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal place to be. But, uh, but you I'm know what? Fun. May I? Yeah, um, you sound. It comes through the microphone. You, you're in your wheelhouse there, doing what you're doing, and you're doing well, a good job for, of it. So thank you for saying up, so. I appreciate it. Um, Real quick, I know there's other callers. I asked the call screener, you mentioned earlier that Congressman Jordan will be on tomorrow with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. May I ask, may I forward a, ask and forward a question? I know you're going to have your own questions to ask him, and you're going to be under time constraints. My question is this. Uh, regarding revoking security clearances for the group of those scumbags, uh, Brennan's, I think, was one whose security clearance was stripped Clinton, she handed hers in. There's still a bunch out there. I haven't heard anything in the news about any subcommittees or the White House going forward to uh, make public that some of those other folks, like Strzok, like Lisa Page, like, I can't remember the other names. There's so many of them. Um, There's about nine or ten of them whose uh, security clearances have, in fact, been revoked. And that was would be my question if you 
been asking so you, that. So you basically you want to find out if anybody from the FBI, uh, specifically mm-hmm. from the FBI, like Strzok and Page and McCabe and others mm-hmm. who have uh, been fired or, or, or forced to resign, uh, have they had their security clearances revoked or do they still have access? That would be my question, Bob, because I haven't heard anything in the news about it. And usually when it does happen, you know, the left makes a big deal about it. So that would be my question, and um, if you get a chance to ask them, well, I'm going to. I'm, I'm jotting it down on a sticky note right now, and I'm going to. I'm going to stick this sticky okay. note to my computer so I don't forget because. Yep. Um, Thank you. I, I, I have talked yeah. about that with Jordan in the past, actually, but it's been a long time, and at the time, the answer was no. They had not been revoked, and it's one of the things that we were very concerned about. Why do these right. former, including Comey? Why do these former right. uh, uh, federal agents who have been fired or, or replaced or whatever the case might be, why do they still have access? You know, they should not have access to anything classified because we don't know what they're going to do with it. Uh, and, uh, exactly. Especially if they've been fired for, know you know, yeah, and some of them have been fired for, for leaking classified information. I mean, that's one of the reasons why it's, you know, it should be so important. And I remember at the time it had not yet been mm-hmm. done, and he, I know he was going to work on it. So essentially you're okay. asking for an update, and I think that's a great idea. Yes, I'd like I to am. find yes, out myself. For an update. If right. you get a chance. Yeah, thank you, Bob. And that's all I got today, man. I'll talk to you again soon, all right? Bye now. Dave, thank you. I appreciate it. Make sure you call back anytime you've got a thought like that. You have a great day, too. Do fired FBI agents and other federal personnel continue to have uh, security clearance? And I don't know the answer to that question. I really hope that's not, but uh, that's something we'll ask him tomorrow, by the way. Great, great lineup tomorrow. In addition to Congressman Jordan at 935 tomorrow, just to kind of set your uh, clock for this, 920 uh, so second segment of the broadcast tomorrow, Eric Trump, the uh, uh, obviously the son of President Trump, is going to be joining me to discuss the State of the Union address. We'll get a little preview from him and what he uh, says we can expect to hear and what he hopes to hear. So we'll have Eric Trump, Congressman Jordan, and then at uh, 10.05 tomorrow, of course, Peter Kersenow with his uh, preview of things as well. So we're very much looking forward to that. But I will, I will definitely try to ask that question. I, I want to I pivot, if I can, for a moment to the wall because um, – what I said before I teased is, a, is really an amazing story, and I want to share this with you. Uh, how the wall saved uh, a, a young boy's life. It's a, it's a phenomenal story, and, and, and it's not, that's not hyperbole. It's not overstatement. It's not over the top to say this, and I, I really want you to understand this. So um, essentially, we all know that one of the re- and President Trump has underscored this, and I hope he does tomorrow. I hope, he, you know, sometimes in the... Uh, in the State of the Union address, he'll highlight individual stories and talk about, you know, cer- certain circumstances that, um, you know, their personal stories are impacted by the federal government and by some of our policies and decisions, and he'll always spotlight certain people. I hope this is one of them. But if it's not, I'm going to spotlight it right now by way of the Washington Times. But, a bo- but border security experts told President Trump on Friday, so three days ago, that border walls not only play an important role in stopping illegal immigration, but they have also saved children, including this little boy that I'm going to tell you about, from sex trafficking. As the president continues to build, this is Washington Times now, as the president continues to build his case for action, with or without Congress, and that's hopefully what he'll lay out tomorrow at the State of the Union. He hosted sex trafficking experts at the White House on Friday to hear about the latest schemes and what authorities are doing to stop them. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen reported on what she called a child recycling ring that used illegal immigrant children to pave the path for other illegal immigrants. 
Carl McClafferty, an associate chief of uh, for intelligence at the U.S. Border Patrol, said he managed to track down one of the rings and found a woman who was being paid $1,500 per child to collect them from the U.S. and take them back to Guatemala to be used in future migration efforts. So in other words, let me pause there on the uh, Washington Times quoting. They're already here. These kids have been smuggled in. Then they're paying women to take them back. From the United States to Guatemala so they can be handed off to the next illegal aliens that are coming in. And what these children are being used for is more than just escorts to get them across the border. Far, far worse. Back to the Washington Times. She claimed to do this 13 times, Mr. McClafferty said. We found out they were recycling these children. Timothy Ballard is a former Homeland Security Special Agent, now the CEO of Operation Underground Railroad. He was at the meeting and told Mr. Trump that fencing actually could help stop some cases of children being smuggled across the border for illicit purposes. And he recounted one such case in which a girl was groomed in Central America, then smuggled across the southern border where there was no wall and taken to New York. Now, I'm going to say a line here in the Washington Times article that is hard to hear, so I apologize. He then described her horrifying situation of being raped for money every day, 30 to 40 times a day. He had been, uh, excuse me, had there been a wall, had there been a barrier, this little girl would have been saved because the traffickers would have been forced to take this child through the port of entry, where we have amazing law enforcement, Mr. Ballard said. They can detect. They have equipment. They have trained agents. To underscore the point, he recounted a story of a five-year-old boy kidnapped in Mexicali in northern Mexico by an American man who ran a child pornography ring in San Bernardino, California. Mr. Ballard said there's a wall at the uh, at that part of the border between Mexicali and Calexico, California. So the man had to try to bring the boy through the border crossing. And guess what? It worked. We captured him. We rescued the little boy. And subsequently rescued 12 other children in San Bernardino, California. The difference between those two cases is 2 plus 2 equals 4. The wall was The difference. The wall rescued this little boy. And the lack of a wall caused this little girl to go through a hell that is indescribable, Mr. Ballard said. After the experts were done with their presentation, Mr. Trump addressed reporters telling them that those sorts of situations are repeated thousands of times. He signaled his frustration with ongoing negotiations on Capitol Hill where Republicans are trying to secure funds for a border wall. But House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said she won't allow any funding to be a part of any eventual deal. Mr. Trump said he's still looking at going around Congress and using emergency powers to have the Pentagon do this, do the construction. And he shot down fears that such a move would end, would land in years of legal fights. Well, we have a very strong legal standing, he said. That's the end of the story. I am going to pray that the President of the United States tells that story tomorrow. He heard it firsthand on Friday. I hope he tells that story on national television tomorrow. Tell that story. 
of the girl who endured, I won't read the line again, but the most horrific thing that you can imagine every day because of a lack of a border wall, because there are areas of our border which can be crossed with, with impunity, with, with little to no uh, restrictions or, or obstructions at all, physical or manpower related. Young girls and boys like that being transported across every single day for those ter- terrible, horrific purposes. Meanwhile, when they try to cross in other areas and they find themselves restricted by a wall like the one between Mexicali and Calexico, they've got to come to the port of entry and try to come in as a family requesting asylum. And then they get vetted. Then they get caught and children get rescued. I want the president to tell that story tomorrow night on national television. I want him to look directly into the camera at the American people. And I want them, him to then ask them, how can you not consider this an emergency at our border? How can one not? How can I, as president, do anything less than declare a national emergency to stop this, as well as the un restricted flow of deadly drugs like fentanyl from coming into this country. They just had, we talked about this on Friday's show, they just had last week the largest fentanyl bust that they have had coming into this country in American history. Enough fentanyl to kill 57 million people because it takes just milligrams to kill. Milligrams. This synthetic opioid. The unrestricted flow of drugs sex traffickers, and worse, coming across the border, how can anyone not consider that to be a national emergency? The president needs to declare it so, and he needs to um, uh, start building that wall immediately. Use the Army Corps of Engineers, use Pentagon funds, and start getting this thing built. Where walls exist, we have already proven, where walls exist, crossings are negligible. Crossings are are cut down by 90%. Where walls and fences do not exist, it's open season. It's open season because it's open borders. Dan Crenshaw spotlighted this uh, last week as well. Freshman Congressman Dan Crenshaw spotlighted this yesterday, or excuse me, last week rather, talking about how um, the number of crossings in an area on the border called Brownsville, Texas, compared to McAllen, Texas. In the area where there is a border wall in McAllen, the crossings have been diminished, and only 4% of the number of people that we have caught have we caught, uh, have we caught uh, trying to cross at the area where there, is a, where there is a barrier. At Brownsville, the 35-mile stretch of uh, Brownsville, where there is a wide-open area, 90-plus percent of our crossings, uh, of those that we have apprehended, rather, uh, are caught there. And I'm paraphrasing the numbers because I don't have the quote in front of me, but he made this speech last week, and it cannot be ignored. So, in other words, walls work. Walls are stopping attempted crossings and make it easier for us to catch them when they do try to cross. We need to make sure this is done. And, and, and let me follow up on, by saying this. I want the president to look directly in the eyes of the American people by looking into the camera and expressing with sincerity the need for this uh, emergency action. But then I want him to stop, and I want him to turn around away from the camera. And I want him to look straight into the eyes of Nancy Pelosi sitting over his left shoulder 
and say, Madam Speaker, would you consider this little girl's plight to be a national emergency? Or would you like her abductors to continue to grab more like her and bring them across an unprotected border for these horrific things to be done to them? Personalize it and put it in the face of Democratic obstructionists. That's what has to happen. All right, it's 1050. We'll get a final check of traffic. Come right back in and try to squeeze you in before we're done on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1053, final segment of the broadcast coming up on AM 1420. The answer will take you until 11 o'clock. At 11 o'clock, Mike Gallagher will take you to Prager at noon. Prager, then the brilliant Dr. Gorka back once again. Uh, such a great addition to the afternoon uh, lineup. Jay Seculo, Larry Elder, uh, stay here all day and all night on AM 1420. The answer to the phones, as promised. We're going to go to, oh, goodness gracious. How about Burton, Ohio? And that's where Tim is waiting on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Tim. Thanks for joining us. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. The, the Democrats have always been better at, at uh, branding the things that they do. Trump and everybody else needs to stop calling it the wall and just call it the freedom filter. You filter in the good people, filter out the bad people. If he turns around to Pelosi and says, will you fund a freedom filter so the people who deserve freedom can come in? I don't know how they could say no. That's the well, well, you know, you, well, you know what they would say, though. I, first of all, I like your idea. Don't please don't take this as a criticism. But but Nancy Pelosi would say there are no bad people. There are no bad people. How can you judge people as being bad before they even come in here? That's not fair. Allow them to come in here, and then they can be judged based on how they act while they are here. You know, that's how that's that's what she would say. You know, who are you, Mr. President, to try to filter out human beings? Who are you to pass judgment on people before they come, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So I like your language because it does seem to be about semantics for them they hate the idea of a wall so we started saying slats or barriers or fences i like filter i really do but you know what they would say how how dare you try to filter out human beings that's where the angel families come in and say you want to protect these people the freedom filter will do it amen to that and you know what i hope they're featured tomorrow as well tim I, I really do at the State of the Union. I hope the president features multiple angel families uh, whose loved ones have been killed by illegal immigrants in this country. And again, shine a spotlight on what we are talking about when we say there is an emergency at the border. John is calling us from Chardon. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, John. Go right ahead. Hey, yeah, uh, getting back here uh, to football, it's, it's a violent game, and not everyone is built to play football, and I being one. I went to a small high school where you had no JV, just one team. So the older guys played, and I played my senior year. And back then, of course, you didn't have any uh, thing in, you know, no mouth guards, no nothing in front of the uh, the helmet to protect you. A guy hit me right in the nose one time, and I bled, and I <laughs> water's coming out of my eyes, and I couldn't see. And uh, so I had to walk off the field. But my best friend since the eighth grade went to West Point and played on Army's last un- undefeated team. And he, today, can chronicle his in- in- injuries. He had his, his tailbone broke, his sternum broke. He had his leg broke in Hawaii when he was forced to play football. And, wait, wait, and wait, 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 wait. What do you mean he was forced to play football? Well, he was pressured to play football. football okay, he well, had then, then say, in other words, what you're trying to say, John, is he chose to play football. 
He chose yeah. to play football. Okay, he's chose he to did. play football, and from what it sounds like, he wasn't somebody who should have played football because he was, he appears to have been made of glass. If he broke a tailbone and a sternum and a leg and everything else, it sounds like he should probably choose other pursuits. Because you know what, I wasn't chosen to do, or I wasn't forced to do, or pressured to do, and I didn't choose to do is play piano. Because I can't carry a tune to save my life. I can't read sheet music. And I would never have tried to do something like that because it probably would have led to my physical, uh, 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 to, to endangered my physical well-being. Because I probably would have, probably would have uh, broken my fingers in order to make, uh, to tell my mom, uh, to not make me play anymore. Sorry, I can't practice. My fingers are broken because I don't like it. Okay. My point is, you know, this, this nonsense about people being forced into something or this nonsense about people, uh, you know, uh, having to do something. If it's not for you, it's not for you. Cooking isn't for me either. I would never be a good chef. Piano playing isn't for me. I would never be a, a good pianist. Football was my thing. I was very good at football. You know, nobody's forcing anybody to do anything, and some of them are dangerous. Some things, you know what else I could never do? I could never be a construction worker and work on a, be, uh, on a beam that's, uh, you know, four inches, four inches wide, 35 stories above the, uh, above the earth, because I'm scared of heights. It would freak me out, and I wouldn't do it, no matter how much somebody pressured me. So the idea that football is for people who are pressured into it, and it leads to all kinds of injuries, is just uh, ridiculous. It's fake news, and people trying to scare people out of playing something that they may enjoy, uh, to me, is just the height of irresponsibility, including your call, John, to be quite frank, including your call. Bottom line is, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I am the man I am today, and I know I, countless numbers of other men who would say the same thing because they experienced the work, the discipline, and the brotherhood of football. It's unlike any other sport. Jan in Cleveland's going to wrap it up for us. Hi, Jan, go ahead. Oh, hi. Whatever happened to all those kids that came over on buses by themselves? Who put them on the buses? Who approved of And who knows where they are, how they are? Does anyone care? Well, I, they I, only I care them. if they can exploit them, Jan. They, they, they care if they find out that they're being kept in some sort of a, an enclosure that they can call a cage. They care if they can say somebody actually got sick or died uh, while in custody or while in, in, the, in the care of uh, Border Patrol and so on and so forth. That's the only time they care. They care when they can be exploited and not, and not at any, any other time. Thank you so much for the call, Jan. Uh, we are out of time, though. As I mentioned, Mike Gallagher is coming up next on tomorrow's edition of the Bob France Authority. You're going to have a couple of really great, three really great guests. Eric Trump, the son of President Trump, will join me at 920. Jim Jordan at 935. And then Peter Kirstenau at 1005. Make sure you're here for all of it. Until then, have a great day. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence.